Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. In today's political arena, environmentalism is often seen as an exclusively left-wing cause. In fact, many people seem to think that conservatives don't even really care about the environment. Today, I debunk these misconceptions and explain how going green is the conservative way. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina. You know, when I was writing this episode and really discussing, I think with my husband, about misconceptions that exist about conservatives, The number one thing that I constantly see in the media and that I think most people automatically assume is that if you are conservative, that you automatically don't care about the environment. And that is a total, total lie. In fact, we'll get to my husband here in a minute because he's actually going to be a part of this episode as he is a scientific diver with an organization called Force Blue. But the point is, is that where did this big switch occur? I think a lot of people don't realize the history of Republicans and conservation, but one of the most famous conservationists that was a Republican president was actually Teddy Roosevelt. And so after becoming president in 1901, I actually got this from the Department of Interior's website, Roosevelt used his authority to establish over 150 national forests, 51 federal bird reserves, four national game preserves, five national parks, and 18 monuments on over 230 million acres of public land. This is something that I think it's like twisting arms off when you actually talk to some far left. I call them eco-fascists because I feel like right now with what we're seeing with the whole environmental movement, that many people don't realize that there has to be a balance in this, right? Like you can't say that people can't eat meat and that we're all going to die in 12 years because of cow farts. That's completely absurd. And in my opinion, doesn't actually even begin to tackle the issue of conserving our environment. And then also to you have this aspect of policy, right? With some of our trade agreements with countries that are actively working to destroy the environment. We'll get into that in a minute. But going back to Teddy Roosevelt, 
this guy was a Republican president and he was one of the most prominent members uh, in our American history that has actually been able to tackle this issue. One of my favorite quotes by Theodore Roosevelt was actually done on May 6, 1903, which happens to be my birthday. Obviously, I'm not that old, but he had actually traveled to the Grand Canyon. And for those who haven't been there yet, it is an absolutely stunning sight. But what he says is something that we should all remember, right? Like the whole idea about conservation is being able to preserve it for future generations. And he said this, I want to ask you to keep this great wonder of nature as it is now. I hope you'll not have any buildings of any kind, not a summer cottage, a hotel, or anything else to mar this wonderful grandeur, the sublimity, the great loneliness and beauty of the canyon. Leave it as is. You cannot improve on it. The ages have been at work on it, and man can only mar it. What you can do is to keep it for your children, your children's children, and for all who come after you, as one of the greatest sights which every American, if he can travel at all, should see. That in itself is something that I think many people are missing today. The idea that we do need to preserve for future generations, but this idea, this modern-day envirofascist that we're seeing These people are using the environment as a means of controlling and pushing policy that actually hinders the American way and doesn't necessarily help the environment. And it's ironic, right? Government regulation is not going to help the environment in the way most people think it will. In fact, I think it's dangerous to lead with that blanket idea to let government handle all of the problems that we've essentially created. You know, when you talk about these different nonprofits that exist and how I think really capitalism, when done correctly, can actually give back and create these solutions to many of these problems, I think that that should be the approach, right? Not to mention, if you really want to talk about failed policy on the global scale, you have your Paris Climate Accord, right? That was set up as a global thing that we were supposed to enter into that was apparently going to help our environment But all it really did was hinder the United States' ability to produce. Meanwhile, here in the United States, we actually have some of the strictest environmental policies. Meanwhile, China and these other countries are actively able to produce, and they're also destroying the oceans. They're destroying the environment, not to mention all the human rights abuses taking place. But that in itself should be, I think, one of the goals and objectives for anyone who's actually legislating with policy is what impact does this have? Is this going to actually help us or hinder us? And if the end objective is to actually help the environment, why is it that our production is being sent overseas to these countries that are destroying it? Meanwhile, the American taxpayer is picking up the bill and we're not actually able to even solve the problem because at the end of the day, we're still buying goods that are contributing to the global issue of our environments essentially being destroyed. So An organization that I was fortunate to come across a couple of years back with my husband was actually an organization called Force Blue. And this organization did a few things. One, it was able to help veterans. So what they do is they actually hire combat veteran divers and they bring them out. They get them their scientific diver certification They don't just do ocean cleanups, but they actually do coral reef restoration. A lot of people don't realize that the coral reefs in itself are very, very important for the ocean ecosystem and also too for us, right? You have coral reef that produces a large percentage of our global oxygen, but also too, these reefs are actually fish nurseries. So baby fish, all of these, this very intricate and delicate ecosystem that is impacted 
if we don't have the reefs, if they're dying off, what ultimately ends up happening is we're going to impact our chain of food and ultimately our environment struggles because of it. So getting into what they've done, I can tell you that I have actually personally gone out with them several times. I went out with them to the Keys and actually talked to some of the scientists down there about what they're doing for the coral bleaching, which is huge off the coast of Florida. And I was very fortunate um, also to go to several beach cleanups across the Panhandle and then also to down in the Sarasota region here in Florida. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring on one of their divers and I wanted to bring on one of their divers so you guys can hear exactly what this nonprofit is doing and really the impact that it's having here in the United States. So I figured what better way than to bring on Andy, who's my husband, to actually talk to all of you about what Force Blue does. We'll be back with his story about the organization, how he got involved and really how you can help impact and help the environment right after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. All right, everyone, here with us today, we have my husband, Andy, who has done some incredible work with Force Blue. But before I steal his thunder, um, I wanted to actually give him the opportunity to introduce himself. So Andy... Welcome to the Luna Talk podcast. If you can tell me real quick, how did you come across Force Blue? I know that they've been getting a lot of buzz in the media lately. I know that you had recently done a segment with a local news station on beach cleanups. And I know that you actually did some work with the NFL for their Go Green initiative. So can you kind of tell some of the listeners about how you came across Force Blue and then we'll segue from there? Sure. So Force Blue, I came across them a couple years back. Um, I was getting ready to leave active duty, and it was just a—it was honestly a just a small world story. Um, you know, the, the special operations community is a very small uh, group, and I, I met a friend, and he told me about Force Blue and, and what their mission is, which is a mission to basically take current and in most cases ex-military combat divers like myself, and we get our scientific diver certification. And it gives us reciprocity to work with all different types of scientific organizations, Ocean Conservancy, NOAA, Reef, and there's a bunch more. But it's a pretty cool organization. It's very unique in what we do. Um, Rarely do you see military personnel get repurposed um, in a way to work with the scientists and and kind of fight the issues that we see with, with the ocean. So if someone, you know, if you were to explain to some of the listeners in regards to a lot of what you come across, because I know that you work a lot, a lot with scientists and the scientists tend to be 
pretty liberal. So what is unique about Force Blue in regards to how you guys work together and actually some of the discussions that you guys have in regards to, I think, extending the olive branch and really sharing those ideas? Because it can be, I think, especially now in today's political climate, it can be a little bit awkward at times when you're just talking politics with someone. Oh, 100%. You know, it's I think in most things in life nowadays, everything, uh, politics comes up everywhere, right? And of course, it, you know, will happen on the boat sometimes. And Historically, uh, most military members, to include myself, we I lean a little on the conservative side. Um, I I mean I agree with my wife. You're a conservative. I, I, yeah, I'm a conservative, and you know a lot of the scientists that we work with, they're a little bit more left leaning. Um, but you know when we get on the boats and we go out and we work together for a common cause, like preserving our oceans and working to clean up the environment and countering all the things that China has been doing as well. We have some incredible conversations. And at the end of the day, it's amazing because, you know, mainstream media just, I think, portrays uh, there's just so many misconceptions. And really, at the end of the day, I believe that most people really do agree on most things in life. So if you can real quick, what are you seeing and what are you hearing in regards to how China is negatively impacting our environment? And I ask that because a lot of the policy and legislation that we see out of Washington, D.C., especially when it comes to trade agreements, what we're seeing now with people pushing this whole idea of the new Green Deal and wanting to really hinder Americans' ability to live how we currently live, I'm seeing that there are other solutions, but not these extreme ones. And if you really want to target, I think the main issue of pollution, you have to target it at the root source, which would be not to send our industry to places like China. Can you elaborate on what you're seeing from a environment perspective as to the damage that those countries are causing? For sure. So some interesting facts, you know, China is by far the number one source of plastic pollution uh, in the ocean by a lot. It's an interesting thing in this modern world that we live in. It's just we all trade, we all work with each other and whatnot. And, you know, China's just not held to certain standards that the United States is. I think, you know, I think a lot of people in the United States, I don't think they realize how well we we do with recycling, with actually cleaning up after ourselves. I mean, obviously, we can always do better. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're not the only country on this planet. There's many other countries that are sincerely creating a lot of problems for the ocean and it does affect us it does affect our shores as well another interesting fact too 90 percent of the united states imports its fish and one of the main import countries is china which blows a lot of people's minds when i first heard that statistic that blew my mind as well overfishing is a huge problem the plastics is is a very interesting concept as well that it hasn't been one of our full main focuses of Force Blue right now, but it's always something that we do when we go work on the coral reef restoration. But but microplastics and plastics, is a, it's a massive problem uh, that we have in our oceans. And plastic doesn't go away. Once once it's made, it just, it's it's here forever. So I know actually I had spoken to some of our local fishermen here and they said that part of, you know, their frustration, especially when they go to Washington, D.C., is that there are a lot of people that just don't want to hear I think what the fishermen have to say, they don't understand what the scientific community is saying, and then they don't hear about the people like you who actually go out and do the repairs for, you know, for example, coral bleaching. Can you elaborate a little bit on what coral bleaching is and what you're seeing currently with our coral reef and a huge problem that's going to be, I think, what we're facing for future generations? Sure. So 
I'll say one thing first about, about coral reef. So a couple of facts about coral reef. Coral is, it's a plant and it's an animal at the same time. But, but specifically, so the Florida reef track is about, it's about 360 linear miles. It covers the entire east side and down into the Keys of Florida. And tons of benefits to the, to the coral reef track. For one, it provides a quarter of all marine life. And Florida has a massive economy that relies on on the fish and the, and the fishing community. But at the same time, it also coral reduces uh, storm uh, forces that come up through the oceans. Believe it or not, the coral reef actually drastically reduced the impacts of hurricanes and storms um, from destroying Florida as well. So that's another interesting fact about coral. And the, the frustrating thing that's kind of happened over the last couple years, we've almost seen somewhat of a perfect storm. There was an issue that we had it was called the stony coral tissue loss disease and um and we had a historically warmer summer that lasted a little bit longer and so a lot of the coral they were already bleaching a little bit which basically means they're just they're a little bit overheated and but it doesn't mean that they're going to die it just means that they're a little bit sick and and normally they can they can recover from that normally they do unfortunately what we saw is this this disease that spread through Florida, um, it just, it wiped out a massive percentage of the coral reef. And so one of the main projects that Force Blue has been working with Florida on is, is actually restoring the coral reef, saving what we can and out and outcropping um, more coral reefs. So that's kind of been our main focus over the last, uh, last two years. What is that process for when you guys actually outcrop? Because you're using a lot of the lingo here, but for some people who might not know, I know that when I was down there with you guys, I know that there's a, an epoxy paste that you mix up. And then I also know that there's a way that you can actually physically treat the sick coral. So what does that all entail? It's just like farming. It's actually a pretty simple process, um, or at least the outcropping is. Uh, these labs that we work with down in the Keys that are just full of incredible people, incredible scientists. And they create more coral reef. And we know kidding, we take chunks of these coral that they start to grow. They grow it real quick, right? So like in coral nurseries. Yeah, yeah. Literally, these nurseries, they have these tubs of of water that they, they control the temperature and the climate in and whatnot. And they grow to a certain point, and then we just bring them out. We outcrop them. They, and there's a rhyme and a reason to how you do it. Um, coral reef actually can attack each other. And fun facts <laughs> about that. Um, so you have to be careful where and how you plant them. But um, it's insanely important, and it's cool how how quickly they they grow. It's it's a slow process, but you put them in the right place, um, and then they start to thrive, and, and then they can grow on top of other dead coral and, and spread. And it's cool to watch, and it's incredible too when you start outcropping these coral, you see the marine life start to come back. Again, Florida, it's a multi billion dollar industry for Florida. You know, it's and it's not just Florida. All the people that travel to Florida to fish and enjoy the marine life. It's a huge problem that we're working on. And every day there was organizations that get more involved with it and realize that it is an issue. So it's kind of cool to see that. Amazing. So actually one of the things that I was, uh, that I found interesting when I was down with you talking to some of the scientists is I found out that they actually will sometimes, and they're studying this now, but what they've done is they'll take the sounds and the recordings of a healthy coral, and then they play it to the sick coral. And it actually, I think, can it correct me if I'm wrong, but they found that it's having a positive impact and actually bringing that coral back to life, right? Yeah, I mean, like most things with nature, scientists discover things every day. There's discoveries made, and there's just so much we don't know about the environment. And it's really sad too. There's different species of coral that that are that have pretty much near extinction, and 
these scientists work really hard to to preserve these things because there's a lot of medications that come from coral reef as well, and then marine life that's associated with it. So it's trying to conserve and preserve whatever word you want to use the environment. We're doing what we can to do that. So Force Blue also has this other aspect that they do hire a lot of veterans. I know some of the divers that you've worked with have been combat injured, but all of them are somewhat affiliated or connected to the special operations community. If you can real quickly talk about with Force Blue, there is this aspect of therapy for the veterans as well, right? So like you're able to help the environment. You're able to work together. You have the camaraderie, again, a team-like situation with the guys or the women, and then also to the scientists. But tell me about that therapy aspect that you're seeing that Force Blue's really bridged the gap on. Yeah, and I think what probably made me originally so interested in Force Blue was um, it was, you know, it's a nonprofit, but it's it's uh, it's therapy, it's it's team, it's teamwork, it's camaraderie, it's it's an it's an organization of veterans that can get together and go and have a purpose. It's a, it's a purpose and mission focused organization. You know, we're not just going and diving or doing something recreationally, but we're doing something that matters for the environment. And, you know, someone that has, I've spent my entire adult life in the special operations community and, and then all the other guys that, that are divers with, with the organization, you know, we are, we are mission focused. We are mission driven. We need a task. We need a purpose. And, and we need something to accomplish. Um, personally, for me, I I don't really even enjoy. I love diving, but just diving and recreation, just to look around, it isn't isn't as nearly fun for me as as diving with a purpose. Going down with, you know, with a crate full of coral reef to outcrop or a bag to you know pick up trash or to move coral or reattach them to the ground after a storm. Um, we find. It's the mission first that really is what brings all of us together. So you actually have a funny story about that brain coral and the keys. Tell them about that because that's, that's one of those things that obviously the scientists are trying to figure out how are we going to move this, you know, 600-pound brain coral that fell over. Well, so one of the cool things about the organization is you get us, these military divers, we have, we have extensive training in different things that we can do underwater that a lot of scientists ha- haven't even thought of. In a lot of cases, whether it's like lift bags, I mean, we can move massive, you know, chunks of coral can be massive too. I mean, they can weigh hundreds, if not thousands of pounds and storms that come through and debris that hits these things. A, a lot of times the scientists don't have ways to deal with the, the larger issues, but we have, you know, some repurposed military equipment that we use as well to reattach some incredibly old, some coral, I mean, it can be thousands of years old. And, and it's a shame that it can take thousands of years for some of these coral to grow and, and just days for them to die. Um, so it's pretty cool that we're able to do that, repurpose a lot of our training and our, and our equipment to, to kind of help out the scientific community. How did you do that with that coral in that one instance? How are you able to relift that? We just use lift bags. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of dangerous when you're lifting heavy, <laughs> heavyweight underwater and you can't you know you can't talk to each other so you rely on just hand hand and arm signal coordination but um you know just reattaching coral on the ground using cement and epoxy and and putting them back uh in their place and and it's kind of cool so i know that there's this aspect of especially dealing with ptsd where float therapy has been studied and i do find it unique and interesting that force blue obviously you're floating in a very calm environment for the most part most of the time you're out there so have you found that it actually does give you the feeling of being calm and actually relaxes you after you do these dives with the organization? 100%. And I, I advise anyone to 
if you think you want to try diving, you need to go do it. It's it's not anywhere near the same as just going in a pool or float, you know, going to the beach. You really got to try it. It's incredible. For me specifically, I've had a lot of injuries throughout my time in service, whether from free fall, from skydiving injuries, my my back, I, I got a messed up leg from getting shot in Afghanistan. Going and floating, it's actually incredible. I I truly believe the diving that I've done with Force Blue has pushed off uh, me having to get surgery on my back, which is pretty cool, and it's and that's all float therapy because um, you know it's it's you're weightless under there. You just float, and it's been helping a lot of the other guys as well too. I mean, we're all we're all banged up, um, whether it's physically or mentally. It's uh, just going underwater and just observing, you know, just seeing the incredible colors and the and the life and and everything, and uh, and then being able to help that. It really is uh, therapeutic. All right, so I have a few more questions for you, but we have to cut real quick for a commercial break. So we will be back, everyone. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Now, Andy, if people want to get involved with Force Blue, if there's a way for them to help out, one, what do you guys need? And also, two, how can they get involved, whether it's through beach cleanups or volunteering with Force Blue? How do they start that process? There's so many programs out there. There's so many different organizations, and we're all linked together, whether it's Reef or Florida DEP or Ocean Conservancy or even just going to Force Blue website. Uh, there's so many ways to get involved. We do a lot of beach cleanups. Um, so if you're not a diver, if you're not even comfortable with going on a boat, we do things that are land-based all the time. Uh, we just did one not that long ago in in Destin, Florida, and it was awesome. We had a great turnout. We picked up a ton of garbage um, right off the jetty there in Destin, so that was pretty cool. We did one in Tampa not that long ago. But if you go down to the Keys, uh, we're always doing dive projects down there, whether it's turtle rescue or coral reef outcropping. Just, uh, just check out the websites, and uh, you can see what we're doing. And last and final question, what is one of your favorite experiences that you've had so far with Forest Blue? I know you've been down to the Turtle Hospital, but what was one experience that you had and you're just like, I know that it's because this organization existed. You know that you left that feeling great and ultimately were able to help the environment at the same time. The one thing I will say that is was kind of eye-opening to me, at least with Force Blue, is when we were down in the Keys, my first time down in the Keys, my first time working with all these different scientific organizations, I realized that there wasn't that much communication between a lot of these organizations. And when we showed up down there, we were just very eager to work with everybody to figure out what we can do to help. And we actually brought a lot of organizations together. But my favorite experience really is just getting on the boat with these scientists. And it's just incredible for me to see 
such passionate people that really do care about the environment and care about the things that they're doing. And they want to just make an impact on the world in a good way. And, and, and I just, no matter what discipline it is, whatever it is, I just, I really respect people that work hard to, to just do something good as just bigger than themselves. And I really appreciate that. And I love, I love meeting those types of people. Well, thank you, Andy, for joining us today here on Luna Talks. And for those who did tune into this week's episode, I will say this, you know, for someone like myself, especially when I was growing up and and it wasn't really till later on in life, I actually did start implementing, you know, this reduced recycle reuse concept where, you know, I don't want big government in my personal life, but that means I have to be personally responsible, especially on the concept of recycling and ensuring that I'm leaving a better environment for future generations. That means that where I can, I use, you know, those Nalgene bottles. I use that instead of water bottles. I obviously recycle whenever I get a chance. I am the first person to say, hey, look, if you see a piece of trash at the beach, pick it up. But, you know, we also have to get active at this legislative level as well, because what we're seeing right now is we are seeing people who are taking this to the extremes, right? You have some people that don't want to help the environment at all. And then you have people that are claiming to want to help the environment so much that they actually want to change a lot of our way of life. And that's not fair or good either. And so there has to be a balance in all of this. And that starts by having the conversation. Don't forget, you want to reduce, recycle, reuse. I'm actually probably going to be putting out here some designs on my storefront in the next couple of days just to kind of help promote that messaging on being a green conservative, not to be confused with the green party, but a green conservative is someone who cares about the environment and does not agree that big government is the solution for this problem. Before we go, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to our producers, Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kligman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.